Hi, and welcome to the Kingdom of Thirst podcast. My name is Abigail Kelly, and I'm here with Jessica again. Hello again. We're doing the second part in this horrible, horrible <laughs> two-part <laughs> podcast on the flame and the flower. Are you ready? Uh, I don't think they're ready, Abigail. Okay. All right. Let's crack into this. Um, <laughs> um, all right. Also, okay. So I realized that this episode is going to go out before the episode I just did with Paige yesterday. Um, but I... I do want to put out into the universe before anybody listens to it. I made a little bit of a goof em up in that in that episode. I did, I did accidentally my my favorite character in that book <laughs> in the series. I got his name wrong for the entire thing. Oh for no! The, like not dramatically, like it's his name, but I called him Dracus instead of Brachus, <laughs> and I realized about five minutes after ending the recording, um, and it haunts and vexes me. So as it should in the future, just know I know I know what I'm sorry. His name is Brachus. He's my boy. Anyway, you'll know when you know. All right, let's go. Okay. So they've just landed in Charleston. Oh, boy. And um, there's some shenanigans with, like, the timing. And they're trying to... There's, like, a tiny little subplot where they are trying to get into Charleston with their cargo before other ships that they know left for England uh, get there. Because then they'll get the best prices for their goods, right? Which is one of the reasons this book is 600 pages long. Anyway, so... Uh, in its original printing, it was 600 pages long. I think it's like 495 pages in the Kindle edition. Don't at me. Okay. Um, so, um, they, they get there a week earlier than they think they're going to get there. They get there a week before Christmas or two weeks before Christmas, something like that. And, um. Best of times. Yeah. Little plot hole. Apparently everyone is expecting them because there's a crowd waiting for the ship to come in when it comes in. And amongst the crowd, Heather is certain is his fiance and his brother that he's mentioned but hasn't really talked about. Um, and when she asked him about it, he made fun of her for revealing um, more about her family. Uh, yeah, she like told him her life story. Like they were laying in bed one time and he, after her like sickness, they're like starting to become friends. And she tells him her life story. And she goes, well, what about you? And he's like, mm, I don't really feel my life story at the drop of a hat like some people I know. And it's oh just like, that's God. so like unnecessary. It's just, what? That's like, not even, it's not even petty. It's like, what? It's just nonsensical. It's just nonsensical. Yeah. Um. Okay. Just bullying. It's just <laughs> bullying. Uh, so, so Heather is feeling nervous about this because she knows she's she's walking in as an outsider she's pregnant she's really young people are gonna do the math and she's a usurper right she stole this man from his fiance who mm. she has he's told her nothing about her so she doesn't know if like he loved her she kind of assumes he didn't because he like has the way a, he is yeah because he's the way he is um but but like I think anyone in her position would be like, oh, I'm so not looking forward to this at all. And so they, they, she like puts on her best outfit and she's, you know, not like, I mean, she's, she's like halfway through her pregnancy. So she's showing and, um, but you know, apparently it doesn't matter because they don't have courses or whatever, but like, well, it's fine. Um, and not that she would need a maternity course or anything like that. It's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. Um, so <clears throat> I mean, stays again. Don't at me, please. Don't at me. <laughs> you got some feelings about this. I got so many feelings. Um, so 
they they get off the dock. And at this point, I just want to let you know that I, I have kind of checked out of this book mentally because <laughs> I am, again, halfway through this book. And I cannot believe that I am only halfway through this book. It has been so difficult for me so far. And I, I also want to stop and say that that is not my MO. I don't read things I don't enjoy. Just like I don't talk about things that I don't enjoy on this podcast. That is not the point of this podcast. The point of this podcast is not to make fun of the this, you know, uh, grossest of romance novels and the like trashiest books. Like, I want this to be a very warm place. I want this to be a very earnest place. As much as we may tease about it and poke fun at stuff that's rightfully silly, I I don't... I don't talk about things on this podcast that I don't genuinely enjoy. The exception being stuff that is pertinent to the history of the genre, just like this book is. So I feel like this book is, I don't think anyone needs to read it, (laughs) but in an effort to understand where we are coming from and, you know, as you and I, as booksellers and as, you know, people who are passionate about publishing, it's, it's really interesting. And, and so I, I don't feel I don't feel like this is coming from a place of malice necessarily. I learned my lesson the other day. Again, see the episode that with Paige that's going to be coming out in a few weeks. Um, but I, I definitely this this book <laughs> this book sucks, dog. Like it sucks. It's just it's so it's like dank, but like not in a good way. Well, you I thought that you didn't binge this book in like a day. No, it took me like a couple of weeks. My library alone almost almost ran out cuz I just took me so long. I'd read like chunks and and there are parts like it's not unreadable. The writing isn't that bad. Honestly, if the writing, if the prose itself had been really bad, I wouldn't have been able to get through it. It's not fantastic. It's euphemistic in the extreme, one might even say. But it's it's not it's not unreadable. It's not that bad. Like this person obviously had a good grasp of the English language and could keep the pace. And I, I didn't feel as it it was necessarily a slug. However, the content itself was so hard to stomach <laughs> that I had to take frequent breaks where I would read like a good 50, 60 pages in a sitting. And then I'd be like, I need to breathe <laughs> and I'd go and pick up a, you know, alien romance or something. <laughs> um, anyway, Heather gets off the boat with Brandon and he's like clearly also not looking forward to this because inexplicably they both know that people waiting down there are for them and also his fiance and brother must be there even though they are again arriving early and and, okay all right fine 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 fine. we see that this beautiful uh blonde uh, buxom woman is waiting beside a a kind of swarthy but very clearly related to brandon uh (laughs) young man and um I assume his pants are very tight. Again, be real with you. I did gloss over a little bit here because I was like, I also, much like Heather, was not looking forward to this confrontation. No one was. Because at this point, I was also grasping the fact that all the villains in this book are going to be the women. Which I'm not into. Um, But that was also, you know, talking about tropes that kind of poisoned the genre for a long time. It is that uh, women can't be friends and there can, you know, not, a woman has to be isolated to have a story, which we, what we see still all the time um but the confrontation doesn't go well oh no it doesn't go well really what do you how do you how do you think louisa (laughs) what do you what do you hold on what do you think louisa's personality is i want you to i want you to i want you to guess here oh well let's see from what you've said okay you know she 
she seems like she might be either very smart and a little saucy because she for some reason you know she she either is really smart or really dumb with the whole keeping Brandon's land away from him you know she wouldn't do it unless he married her that was mm. the only way he was going to get it mm. so either she's really stupid or she's really smart and I can't really tell if she's going to be like the the cunning thing like um almost witty Mm-hmm. kind of a a villain or she's just gonna be really mean and kind of dumb mm. and just nasty mm. okay well she's just sucks like she just sucks she's just a bully oh she has no personality she's just a bully see i was trying to give her a little she's, more she's <laughs> just she is at one point actually referred to as a profligate slut uh, her her main character trait is that she sleeps around and she's a bully. Um, so real depth to this woman. Oh, so much depth, so much depth. Much like every other woman in this in this book, yeah. which I haven't even. And I'm I'm not going to touch on the other young women. Like, there's a whole tiny subplot where like the Heather encounters all the the young women who'd been thirsting after Brandon in his like parish or whatever. I guess it's not a parish, not Louisiana, but like, you know, in his area. Mm-hmm. And and the the so the society of of Charleston. Um and he she it's it's not they're they're nothing. There's no the only one of them who has any character is this old woman who's sexually unavailable, so it's fine. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Because um, why else would they, there was nothing else to give her? She can't give fact, sex. Her name is Abigail, but they spell it with an E, which is, it's like Abigail. Oh. Yeah. It just made me laugh. Um, <laughs> but they got off the ship. Things don't go well. Louisa sucks. And she is understandably very upset. Um, she's extremely upset when she discovers that Brandon has brought his his mistress with him mm-hmm. and then she gets even more upset when she realizes that oh no it's not his mistress that's his wife well he sort of married the mistress but yes well he, he married uh, the, the the child he assaulted <laughs> but yeah um she she also immediately goes on the attack like even before she like knows what's up like, this could have been a long-lost cousin or something doesn't matter she immediately just starts belittling heather and heather is like just it just takes it because like what is she gonna do she's not in a position of power here also i'm gonna say this brandon sucks <laughs> i know it's a revelation but brandon sucks and he does not defend her i feel like we, we need to have that like as a sticker or something i need to have like a like a, a like a sign by my fuzzy handcuffs up there that you, you <laughs> gave me today i need to i need to have i need to have a sign that just says brandon sucks so i can never forget the roots of this goddamn <laughs> genre anyway um it gets to the point where where brandon like lets her just verbally assault heather like really really nasty stuff um and she's obviously attacking him too, but but he's she, her claws are going more for Heather because she's easy, and and of course because it's <clears throat> it's her fault not his. Yeah, yeah, she's just too sexy. Uh, she's got sexy disease, but um, it's. It devolves into a cat fight very quickly. <laughs> Luckily, it doesn't get very far. But like Heather is attacked. This this poor pregnant oh. teenager is attacked by this grown ass woman, which I think is 
just bad writing, if I'm being honest. I don't think that would happen. <laughs> Mind you, they're, like, surrounded by a crowd of people. Like, it's, like, a whole thing. And Brandon does nothing really to defend her. Like, he, I, if I... Did he throw some mud on it? No, if I'm, like, remembering correctly, I think he, like, stops Louisa from from hitting her. But, like, just barely. And also, like, doesn't defend Heather at all, verbally. Mm-hmm. Um, he just goes, like, don't hit my wife. That's my wife. Like, this my, don't, don't touch my property. <laughs> or probably just because my baby's in there. Just be gentle. Yeah, like, don't do that. Um, and the person who comes to Heather's defense is Jeff. Now, Jeff and I had a bit of a journey. Because when I first started with Jeff... Uh, I, I liked him. I liked him a lot because he immediately jumps to her defense. It very clearly is pissed at Brandon for not standing up for her. Uh, and he he's we get a little glimpse into Jeff's mind pretty quickly. Um, he says, Jeff was anything but displeased with the situation, having succeeded in goading Brandon into providing his wife's protection. And he stood before them exchanging idle chatter about the sea voyage. So he does basically he he tries to get his brother to pull his goddamn head out of his ass and protect his wife from this woman who's just just evil, right? Yeah. Um by kind of making him jealous. Like he he like sits with Heather and like hits on Heather and mm-hmm. which is gross, but whatever. It's once I realized that it was for a purpose, I was like, okay, cuz he cuz he very clearly is like, "Hey man, defend your wife." Yeah, he's like, "Okay, if you're if- if you're not, it's not, it's not even something you're going to think about. Let me, here, look at, oh, I'm I touching her. Thing. I'm, I'm touching, touching her. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's messed up is, is that, um, like he, she, she's literally calling Heather like a slut. She's calling like all sorts of really horrible, horrible stuff. Everyone apparently immediately knows she's Irish. I don't know if that's because of her last name, but they like point that out a lot. It's like, it's, it's a plot point where everyone's like, oh, this, this, irish vixen and it's like okay um they make a big deal out of how slanted her eyebrows are i don't know it's weird but i i have a note here from page 249 with louisa we're only on page 249 you wish we were farther you wish oh god yeah um so They they do this like detour thing and like Louisa insists that they like stop for tea at her house because she'd planned on having a welcoming reception for her fiance and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh and, which is which Brandon allows inexplicably, because knowing that she's going to be hideous to her, and also that Heather just came like A was very, very ill recently, and also just came off of like a month-long voyage. And she's pregnant. Like, get that girl home. Yeah, and she was also attacked. Like, like, like all these things. Even just one of these things. Get her home. Hey, hey, bud. Hey, bud. Newsflash. Brandon doesn't care. <laughs> because why? Because he sucks. <laughs> he sucks. <laughs> um. So Louisa attacks her more, and just constantly, constantly attacking her. Jeff is trying, doing his best to defend her. Brandon like gets pissed, but he doesn't. He doesn't actually help her. He doesn't actually say anything. Um, he just gets annoyed. Like he, he, he doesn't actually defend Heather in any meaningful because way. Because why would he? Because why would he? And he explains it away when Jeff's like, "Hey, man, what is going on? Like, what? I like Heather a lot. She's very clearly way nicer than than Louisa, and it's made a big deal that she's like way prettier than Louisa, and that's like important for whatever reason. So that way they can pin Louisa against her. Oh, even also, more. like, yeah, her, Heather's virtue is tied to her beauty. 
everything about Heather is supposed to be just this picturesque, innocent, but sexy. Don't you know and, that she's she's beautiful and therefore she must be a good character? Because they also make a big deal about how Louisa isn't as pretty as she used to be. Her her, her oh. breasts are not quite as plump as they once were. Oh, no. Yeah. Of course the villain has to be attacked on her body. She can be beautiful, but not as beautiful as the protagonist. <laughs> and she, she can only be beautiful if she's a slut. Okay. And there's this like whole thing. And... If if you wanna if you wanna get a glimpse of how Kathleen E. Woodwist does not know how to write women or dialogue, if I'm being honest, there's like whole paragraphs of just straight dialogue that I'm like, no one talks like this. No one has ever talked like this. <laughs> um, but she, she she says to Jeff when Jeff like gets because because Heather does get a couple little little punches in, mm-hmm. and it's good. It's very good. She's she's very clever, but she's also like at a completely dis- disadvantaged position. Uh, in that Louisa knows Brandon better. It's her house. It's the, she's got the high ground, right? So she can only get in little sneak attacks. And Jeff really enjoys it when she does. And so Jeff said something uh, and like laughed at Louisa because he hates Louisa and actively acts like he does. Um, and Kathleen E. Woodwiss thought that this was a an extremely natural response that anyone would have to this, which was... Um, Will you please keep your dirty mouth shut and refrain from showing what a clod you are? She spat. What? Wait, to to Jeff. To Jeff, yes, 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 yes. And my note, if you're curious, on that was, Hi, I'm Kathleen E. Woodwist, and I don't know how to write women. (laughs) So... That's uncomfortable. And very Louise's set up as the new antagonist. She's the new Aunt Fanny. Um, and they finally decide to go home. And and mind you, Brandon has not told Heather anything about where she's gonna be living because he sucks. And he also like I guess he just assumes she knew that he was wealthy, which I don't know why she would assume that. Like she knew he was a merchant. And she knew that he like bought her expensive stuff, like all the clothes he bought her was expensive. But like, she kind of has no reason to suspect that he is. Also, like, she, she kind of half expects him to like put her in a barn, essentially. Well, yeah, I mean that's kind of what he implied too. Yeah. He was gonna be like, oh, he was saying, you know, I'm gonna give you like a little house, and yeah, we're so, gonna live separately. You're not actually gonna be my wife. I will take my pleasure elsewhere. Yeah, and it was implied that he was, you know, had some means, but never like a society wealthy bachelor of the year kind of a or even if he did he was never going to share it with her exactly Um, his own life so so we get to this point where they 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 get to his property and of course he's got this like (sighs) big old house i don't know like here's here's where this again i've checked out from this book already i i knew this was coming i think i took like a week break on this book at this point because i got here and i was like it's 1790 or whatever. We're in Charleston, North Carolina. Oh. And I'm like, I know, I know what's coming. I know what's coming. I know. And I know it's going to just be so bad because it's published in the 1970s, like antebellum, you know aesthetic or whatever they're making all them mood boards probably not but like you know <laughs> in, their, heart, versions, in yeah. their hearts they were making antebellum mood boards everyone was wearing you know frilly lace and shit okay so i knew this was happening i knew that i was going to get some really really uncomfortable race stuff and i also knew that 
there was no way that <sighs> Kathleen E. Woodwiss would give Brandon any sort of nuance. Like she would take the risk that he would be like a fan of of slavery, even though he most certainly would be. Um, of course he. Yeah, I mean that's that's he, how he would have grown up. Yeah, he owns a plantation. Like, and I knew that I knew that there was going to be some really really deeply uncomfortable stereotypes and I was right. Um, I also knew that there was going to be a lot of really uncomfortable kind of glamorization and glossing over of, of what was going on at the time, the horrors of, of enslaved people. And I, I also knew that she was going to make it a point of honor for him that he's really a good guy because he doesn't approve of slavery. And like, you should really pat him on the back for that. And Heather should really like recognize that her husband's a good guy because he doesn't approve of slavery. Even though that's how he makes his income. And we never see that he doesn't have slaves. (laughs) We don't. We we get glimpses that he um, he doesn't. He says he doesn't employ enslaved people. Uh, at one point he like, so Brandon decides when they, when they get back to port that he's going to sell a ship. He's done with a ramble and sailor life and he's going to buy a wood mill, um, to supplement his income just because he can. Um, and he buys it from this unscrupulous guy who apparently lived on like the wood mills property and with a bunch of, uh, slaves and he, um, like sexually abuse them for sure for sure for sure for sure and that's like a point of like disgust for for brandon and it's implied that like because he knows it's wrong to enslave people and also to to you know assault enslaved women like it's it's wrong but that's not explicitly stated so you could also take it as that he just doesn't approve of sleeping with black women um and like it's really gross and sticky and i and i i would like to choose to to believe that it's because he knows it's wrong but also on the other hand i don't want to give brandon every any goddamn credit like that's not that's basic human decency you do not get credit for that yeah just like before with in the last episode we're talking about when he um saved uh heather from being sold into sex you don't get credit for that you don't get credit for basic human decency like you don't get credit for not approving of enslaving people and i I recognize that I was going to get into this and I'm not, we're not going to wax on about this because that is a much bigger conversation about the genre and about, you know, the glamorization of the South and all this. And I am not qualified to have that conversation, Jessica. (laughs) All I'm going to say is it was extremely uncomfortable. And there are several characters um, later, by which I mean now, uh, that are pretty vile stereotypes. Um, his nanny being the head of his household, uh, is one of them. And she is a, you, you know, you know, I'm I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I actually have two different pictures of, of she's, she's a very overbearing mother hen figure, uh, who, who helped raise the boys and the dialogue is really hard to get through. Um, the only thing I approve of, which is nothing, but she, she does at one point. Um, so when she, when Heather steps out of the carriage, she is overjoyed. Cause she's like, oh, thank God you didn't marry Louisa. She's awful. She's awful. She's awful. She's awful. Um, but she, she basically, she sees Heather and she's like, oh man, she's beautiful. And she's, she's already pregnant. Fantastic. Can't wait to have babies in the house. Um, 
But she also, like, immediately lambasts Brandon. But she says something. She goes, I'm I'm not going to use the exact phrasing that Kathleen Ewood was used because it's very offensive. But she says that you finally stopped your tomfoolery, which is like (laughs) such a take to have with Brandon, because there is no way that man stopped his tomfoolery. He will never stop his tomfoolery. Um, It might get more sophisticated. No, he'll just get drunker. Like, it's just, this man is constantly drunk. And there's a lot of, like, language of, like, everyone kind of realizes that Brandon is not treating his wife as he should. And that they're really, something is off about their relationship. Um, and Jeff immediately does not like this. Jeff Jeff is like, you didn't defend her with Louisa. Like, there's a weird tension here. Like, what is going on? And uh, at one point, Jeff says... Brandon, with some amazing stroke of fate, you've been bestowed a woman worth keeping, which is just just it's not the worst thing that's been said in this book by far. However, doesn't it's not. Oh, it's it's not a good thing to say because most women aren't worth keeping, obviously, especially if you slept with them before. Yeah. Okay. they are sleeping in separate bedrooms and it's kind of like a plot point because because Brandon, basically, he. They, they're both, like, at this point where they kind of are into each other, but both of them are waiting for the other to make a move, more or less. Because Brandon, Brandon's gotten to the point where he's like, okay, I want to win her love, so I need to court her. And to do that, I, I have to, like, I have to give her space, and I have to, like, allow her the choice and stuff like that, right? And Heather is at this point where she's like, man, I really like to have, like, a real marriage someday. Like, I... <laughs> I need to, like, work on this with him. Like, I think I could love him if I just, like, he's he's been okay. Like, he's been, I'm not scared of him anymore. I've gotten past it. We're, like, starting to become friends. He doesn't flip out on me for freaking nothing anymore, mostly. She forgives him for not defending her when he absolutely should. Anyway, it's fine. He's basically just stopped being a huge dick and just sort of like a... Just like a mild jerk. Just like a mild jerk, yeah. Um, he has not reneged on any of the things he said to her on their wedding night, by the way. Um, which was, if you didn't listen to the, the first part of the podcast, which I do not understand why you do that to yourself, but uh, he promised her that they would never have a real marriage. He would never love her. He would never give her money to spend on her own. Uh, they would have a marriage in name and appearance only, but she would live a completely separate life and he would seek his um, manly wants elsewhere. And he hasn't reneged on that, despite everything, inexplicably. Uh, and so she kind of is like, she doesn't want to push him, obviously. And he doesn't want to push her. So they, they're kind of, they're, they're heading in the same direction, but like parallel. So they, yeah. they can't converge yet. And, and so he offers her the, the um, nursery to sleep in because he says that, you know, this is, this is where the bed is. If you would like to stay in the room with the baby, you know, because it's closer, obviously. And he's like, or my room is, my room is down there. Our, our bedroom is down, down there with our, with our bedroom. And at first she she sees his bedroom and she's like, oh my God, we're actually going to sleep together. Like I may actually like this. This is a this is a good start. And then he offers her the, the nursery and she assumes that that's what he wants. Mm. And when she takes it, because, he, he takes it. At, yeah. Oh. He's like, damn it. Because uh, she really liked the bedroom. She really liked that big bed. <laughs> and, and so like she was like, oh, and he was like, oh, and it becomes a point of contention later. And also like people gossip and it's you know discovered that they sleep in separate bedrooms and stuff like that and it's usually like a wedge between them whatever it doesn't matter christmas <laughs> arrives and 
it's it's been months at this point or like you know she's like heavily pregnant but like they're like buds now or whatever i guess but they're sleeping in separate bedrooms and they're, they're just trying to fumble around trying to figure things out brandon's, finding the rhythm brandon still sucks but she's like she's settling in she really likes this big manor house by the way when she saw it she was like ah i didn't know you had money and he was like what did you think i lived in a hovel and she's like you don't talk to me <laughs> um, so yeah but then she's like oh everything will be fine because he has a big house Anyway, um, so she's, like, starting to run this house. She's she's starting to try and, like, fill in her role as, like, the head of the household and, like, all this stuff. And Oh, that face. <laughs> <laughs> so at one point, a, like, peddler comes by, like, selling, like, household wares and, and uh, fabric and stuff. You know, just like a door-to-door salesman. And Heather decides that she really wants to to make something for Brandon for for Christmas. And so she doesn't have any money to buy anything. And uh, his nanny uh, goes like, well, just take the money that he keeps in like the sideboard for these this types of stuff. And she she's like, Heather's like, no, I I, I don't want to use his money because she has been she's been banned from using his money. Yeah, that's how she's been conditioned under she, their relationship. He literally told her that you will never use any of my money for anything you want. Like, he has told, he told her this. He told her. And so she trades the gown that she was wearing when he met, and also when she killed that guy, um, <laughs> for, for a bolt of, of very nice, like, green velvet or whatever that matches his eyes. And his nanny is very upset because he's like, she's like, you should not be trading things. Like you should, you should have money. You mm-hmm. should have money. Um, and Heather begs her not to say anything. And and she's very, very upset, but she agrees. Um, and then Christmas rolls around and, and Heather has made him this, this beautiful robe. Um, and. Uh, oh. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's over the moon about it. He loves it. He thinks it's gorgeous. And she's like embroidered it with like his name or whatever. I don't remember. Um, and. And they're having a wonderful Christmas morning, and uh, the uh, his his nurse comes in or his, his nanny comes in, and she like delivers her breakfast to them. And as she does it, she makes like a like a passing comment about like, mm, "Oh, that's a beautiful robe. Just wish she hadn't had to trade her things to make it for you." Bye. Oh <laughs> and no! Just, like scoots out the door, and Heather's like, "No, why?" Yeah. Um, so, so he's like, what are you, what, what? And Heather's like, oh, well, you know, I didn't need the dress and, and I wanted to make you something for Christmas. And he's like, why didn't you just use the money downstairs? And she's like, what do you mean? Why didn't I just use the money downstairs? You said I wasn't allowed to use any money. What? Please, you don't talk to me. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. Oh, is this going to be like the dress shop all, from last episode all over again? Yeah, he gets extremely pissed. He gets oh. extremely pissed because also apparently he had. This is messed up, but he like really loved that dress because it said it held good memories for him. I, yeah, mm. not for her, not for her, bud. <sighs> not for her because he because he, she definitely was assaulted and had her whole life ripped out from under her when he did that. Anyway, um, so he's really, really pissed. And he makes her cry because Heather cries a lot because um, she she's has no weak. power. She's 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 a, she's a weak-willed woman. She's so weak and she's so cowardly. 
Um, and he says to her, he immediately feels bad because like he didn't, he is Christmas and he like didn't want that. But he also was like, don't ever do that again. No wife of mine will be bartering for goods. Uh, mm, I know, I know, I know. Um, and so he, he basically, he, he goes, Amy, it's okay. Just don't do that again. Here, let me give you like a diamond necklace or something. It's like a brooch or something. He gives her something fancy. And she's like, oh, thank you. And he says to her, um, something that's great. Something that really is great, which is, uh, let's have a gay Christmas and no more tears. You'll ruin your pretty face. I... And my note, if you're wondering, is, God damn it, Brandon sucks! <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you didn't know what I, what I think about Brandon. Oh, I... So we, we I, I'm lingering on Christmas because a lot of weird stuff happens. And the next weird thing that happens in this is that, um... Jeff makes out with Heather. <laughs> and of it's, course. it's at this point that my journey with, with Jeff soured. Cause I was like, oh, he was only into her for to get Brandon to pay attention to his goddamn wife, right? Yeah, he was he was just doing it to protect her. That it was that's my brother's that's my brother's girl. Except now it's it's very heavily implied past this point that Jeff and he actively does say, like, I, if you weren't my brother's woman, I'd be up your skirt already, lady. Like, like he's he's pretty explicit with it, and and he he grabs her under the mistletoe, and he just oh, I, I'm not looking forward to this. He's he took her into his arms, and ignoring her startled expression, bent over her and kissed her long and in anything but a brotherly fashion. There's so much in that. There's so much to unpack there. Like right in front of Brandon, Avi, 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 Avi. Yeah, yeah. And then, then the whole he ignored. Mm-hmm. You know, we got consent issues, but then just all oh, there's not a brotherly. Fa- oh, yeah, and it's 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 uh, none of it's good. None of it's good. And basically, after this point, like. Heather's very, very pregnant, and Jeff's weird. I don't know. Like, I don't know. He's around all the time. I assume he lives there. I don't know. It's never really made super clear to me. He's there all the time. Or, like, on the estate, maybe. Maybe. Like a family thing. I don't know. Anyway. Um, and Brandon must go to New York to to sell his boat because he's he's done with that rambling sailor life and he must he's gonna be gone like a month um and just before he leaves heather kind of is like very gently like hey i just wanted to ask you like would it be okay if while you're gone i you know spend the money to remodel the nursery and he's like yeah sure that's fine and she goes okay like but would it be okay if i also maybe got into some new furniture for it and he goes yeah that's fine and she goes all right cool um like, would you mind if also maybe I slept in 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 the the master bedroom while you were while you were gone? And he goes, "You don't have to ask me for these things. Uh, What's wrong with you?" And he just tears into Heather for no reason. Like he calls her like a, basically a stupid little girl. You should you should know better than to ask for permission. You don't need to take whatever money you need. Like he just but, he's so cruel to her in this scene. It's out of control. Can you reiterate for our for our audience? Brandon sucks. It, it, it oh, I, I know it's it's out of nowhere. It makes no sense. It doesn't. I I want to strangle his neck, uh huh, and, and you know shove some words down there. Yeah, yeah. but and I also probably too muscled though. Too, too, too much muscle. There. Oh, force it down. Yeah, 
I'll rip those muscles right open. But poor Heather. Yeah, it sucks, dude. And of course, she's just like, doesn't understand why he's all of a sudden so cruel. And the fact that he doesn't get why she why she feels like she has to ask. She's like, I don't understand how you don't get this. You have never reneged on your on your your thing, your your vow. Did did Christmas not teach him anything? No. Or was Christmas supposed to be his way of being like, bro, we're we're past that. It's okay. I guess. Without saying it. But also like she's. She's asking for permission to remodel his childhood nursery in his ancestral home, which is going to be significantly more money than it would be to buy him a robe, right? Or buy him fabric to make a robe. Yeah. Like also, she's asking for this. This is a big ask. I I don't. I think even if they didn't have that, like I would I would ask for permission. Be like, hey, are you okay with me spending a bunch of money doing this? Because I'm definitely going to spend a bunch of money doing this. Yeah, and it's like not even just the money, but like, can I change? Am I am yeah. I allowed to change the house? Can like, I change your house? <laughs> can I change your childhood bedroom? Can I do that? Like, she's only been there like a month and a half. Yeah, she's been sleeping in the nursery. How's she supposed to know? Yeah. So he flips out on her for no reason other than plot, I guess. And he's, you know, Heather like is sobbing uncontrollably and she flees up the stairs. And um, of course, standing outside the door is his his nanny and uh, and his brother who are who have heard everything and are just pissed. They're pissed at him and they hate him. And they're like, dude, what was that about? Like, come on. And Brandon immediately is like, no one's more angry at me than me, you know, um, which is dumb because no, he doesn't apologize or he, he doesn't even say goodbye to her before he leaves. She, she just kind of, you know, he like sees her on the, like the porch steps or whatever. And he's like, mm, bye. Yeah. And there's no way he would have understood why what he did was wrong. Mind you, again, she's like heavily pregnant. He doesn't, he may miss the birth of his child while he's in New York. And she's only been there a couple of months. <sighs> Mm-hmm. Like they couldn't have scheduled this after the baby. They didn't have scheduled it after the baby, but like, regardless, like, I mean, realistically, at the time period, he's leaving for that long. She may have a kid. She may be dead by the time he comes home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, track, she, that's how her mom died. Yeah. Yeah. So they leave on bad terms. And he's gone for a month and he does some shenanigans with like hiring like a poor family and to like raises up their fortunes and like to work in his mill and like whatever. And he's like missing Heather the whole time. And he laments it. There's a whole scene where he's sitting in, in lamenting the fact that he's away from his beautiful wife. And he has, he, he has his inner monologue. Uh, I'm just going to read you a small portion of it. Cause it goes on for a grip. Uh, page 311. <laughs> um, oh I know, I know. <laughs> I drew myself the worldly gentleman above these simple words of men that I could casually accept a wife of well-experienced joys. But now I find myself so stricken with the innocence of that one that I cannot rouse myself to seek relief in someone else's bed. So my summary of that is Brandon thought he wanted a whore, but a virgin is just too scrumptious. Alas. Mind you, throughout this whole thing, like Louisa just keeps like popping into their house uninvited and like being nasty. Yeah. Um, So... So he, while he's in New York, he basically comes to the decision that he, he was a dick um, and he wants to, he, he's really going to try and win her love. He decides that he loves her and he's, he's going to make an effort to actually win her love. Not just like this tentative sort of like half, maybe I'll keep my word and be a jerk, but, but maybe I'll also like win her over thing. You know, he's, he's wholeheartedly going to, he's going to go back and he's going to be a devoted loving husband. Um, at the same time, inexplicably heather decides to do the same thing 
Oh no, the fates have aligned. For whatever reason, Heather's like, I do love him and I will be, I'll be the most devoted wife so I can win his love. And it's like, that doesn't match with how he left. Like I would in no way, I, if it were me, I would have shut down like entirely. Yeah, no, you would have just, I would, you would in no way be ready to forgive your husband because there's been so much time. It's not like he's written you letters or anything like that. Like there's, there's the it's way not... he left where he just like randomly exploded on her for no reason for only following his own orders. Yeah, his own orders. Yeah. Yeah, re-traumatizing her again because she genuinely thought they were past the sort of explosive Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde yeah. sort of relationship that they were having. And now all of a sudden she did something wrong again. So it, it, it made, it, she would... <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's super healthy. Also, there's a note that when he comes back, like he's so eager to be back, he like races back on his big old horse and she rushes out to meet him. And then he like... His eyes moved over her as he mounted the steps, taking in every detail, and slipping an arm about her waist, he greeted her and placed a somewhat fatherly kiss upon her lips. <laughs> because she's viewed as a child! Because she's 18! It's really gross. See, see, I was, I was, I was really hoping, I heard fatherly kiss, mm-hmm. so I, I was hoping... He bent down, mm-hmm. kissed her belly, because she's probably still very pregnant. Oh, super prego, yeah. Yeah, probably ready to pop, right ready to pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you would think you'd be kissing her, mm-hmm. her baby bump. That's probably a melon now. But, oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's like the only fatherly way you can kiss your wife. Mm-hmm. Is because you're kissing your baby through her belly. Mm-hmm. Not, oh, not her lips. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty gnar, dude. So, surprise, Heather has the baby. Really? Oh, Yeah, she has a baby. And I really liked this because Heather, like, was a baller for the birth. Much like when she threatened a crew <laughs> of hardened sailors with empty guns. Um, she, she just kind of does this. Like, she, she's very much like, all right, like a water breaks in the middle of the night and she goes and gets Brandon and he's like, ah! and she's like, <laughs> It's okay. We're gonna do this. She demands. She wants. She demands that he get her a new, uh, like nightgown because mm-hmm. her other one is ruined, obviously. And and he's just like, he's like, what? What are you? Ta- no, like it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Come on, let's just like get everybody. Like go lay down in our bed so you can have her baby in my bed where I was born and all this stuff. And uh, and and she's like, no, I want a new nightgown. And he's like, okay. <laughs> so he gets her a new nightgown. She's like, no, that one's pink. We're having a boy. I need a boy color, which is some <laughs> bullshit. But like, what? I, I respect her tenacity at least. And uh, and he's like, "Are you are you kidding me?" She's about to pop a child out of her out of her. He like has no concept of this. He's like, "Are you are you kidding me?" And she's like, "Get me a blue or a green one. I am not having this baby until I am in the right nightgown." And he's like, he's like. Okay, and he just like flings all of her stuff out, and he gets her a blue one, and she puts it on. And she's like, "I'm ready now." And he's just like, also this whole time he is buck ass naked, which is hilarious to me. This is my favorite part of the book. He just like, and he's losing his mind, and he does not handle it well. And he's with her for like most of the labor, but um, he's he's such a nuisance at a certain point where he's like so anxious that uh, he's kicked out, and he proceeds to just get utterly blasted. Like, oh. so drunk. Um, no, no, right, right, no, right before the baby, dude. Yeah. 
he he gets super 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 drunk but it's fine because i i i was really kind of disappointed because at the very least i expected him to be like a good dad because like that was kind of his selling point right like that he loved the baby just regardless yeah of, like, that was what. like the 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 hitting point where i was like okay at the very least that's he cares about the baby yeah he cares about the baby um but like i don't know this is just a creative decision that i didn't agree with with kathleen newwood was amongst many um is that she like the baby is presented to him this this little boy um because again he's just so virile of course he had a boy because that definitely makes sense he and he like he like just kind of like puts his hands behind his back and he's like yep that's a baby oh <laughs> and and it's like what i can't i don't know it's, i mean it's almost like he didn't even like like poke his little cheeky or like touch his little hand to the like finger thing with yeah the fist. but no nothing nothing like you could almost if this were like if he were at least tracking to be a like if he was a semi-decent dude the whole way like if he was just kind of a jerk and not utterly not awesome. a monster yeah yeah but you're like oh, maybe he knew he was drunk he didn't really want to get too close mm. it was inappropriate okay whatever no, it's just no. like it's played off as like a weird, like nervous masculine thing that like mm, I don't need to touch my baby. It's good enough to know that it's a, uh, it's got uh, testes and it's uh, breathing. <laughs> yeah, That's all it needs. Drink some more brandy. <laughs> Let's toast and celebrate. Yeah, no. go go put it down somewhere. I don't know. Does he even check on Heather? <laughs> yeah, he eventually goes and checks on her. She's fine, and you know, and he watches her breastfeed for the first time and is like, mm. Um, boobies ooh, I'm, I'm trying not to be jealous of my my newborn son hmm oh, it's gross gross, gross straight people stuff um, <laughs> and they name him something just atrocious uh, they name him Beauregard Grant Birmingham I'm sorry one more time for the cheap seats in the back Beauregard Grant Birmingham Bo- Beauregard. Bo- Beauregard not yes. like Beauregard no Beauregard not Boulevard <laughs> Beauregard. And it's like, there. it comes out of nowhere. Like, I wouldn't even mind the name if they had just been like, oh, this is what we're naming our kid. It sounds good or whatever, right? Or like it was some someone's grandpa's name or something like that. No, you know what the story is? Randomly, Brandon like whips out this like half-assed story about a friend of his who died in a fire saving a bunch of kids from like like a burning church or something and he he died and he wants to name the baby after that we have heard nothing about this person we don't like it just comes out of freaking left field instead of being like i've always liked the name beauregard cool that's a good name that works no it's like what, what about the dude who died? what excuse me what <sighs> it's just it's just dumb it's just bad writing if i'm being honest just bad writing and oh, this this book it at least to the 400s <laughs> Like how much wilder can this? We're we're in the, we're getting there now. Okay, this, this so, has been a roller coaster. So of course the birth of the baby means that um, Heather and and Brandon are are on much better terms now because the baby fixes everything. Um, and they've both decided obviously that they're going to 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 work on their their relationship. Does this mean now, baby's out? He can bone her again. No, because she's still sleeping in the nursery. Actually, no, they switch because he he gives her the big bed because she's recovering and he sleeps in the nursery and it's his like penance. And he's like, <laughs> keeps looking for an opportunity to like, to like get in there after a little while. But like it, it never really happens um, until they decide to throw a big old party. And um, 
it's like you know i don't i don't know what it means when they say it's the season but it's the season you know it's the se- it's the it's the start of the season dance cards i don't know something oh, debutante yeah yeah they throw a party kathleen does this thing where she she needs an inciting incident for them to finally break through their own nonsense and and get together right and a- another getting sick moment yeah can you can you guess what this one's about can you guess what 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 arrow she's going to use out of what she's going to pull out of her quiver the ex-fiance mm, mm. or no the brother mm, you're close we're going to use violent drunken jealousy oh, <laughs> oh just that just yeah. that good old just just that just that you know familiar friend <laughs> yeah so heather is doing her best to be the hostess of this party you know like that's an involved thing at this time um she's also the most beautiful woman in the room and she's radiant with new motherhood and her breasts are full of milk and <laughs> I, I can't with this but so so she's very popular is what i'm saying everyone wants to dance with her apparently no one has any scruples trying to seduce a married woman in his own house is maybe British make new friends, but so Heather is is wined and dined and twirled and 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 tossed and groped, I assume, by dancer after dancer after dancer. And they're all very foppish, so don't worry. Brandon's still the most masculine man in the room, because um, that's important. Because because none of them can be able. You can't tip off her jealousy. You yeah. can't make her curious. Well, here's the thing: is that because Heather is occupied all night. Who should step in but Louisa, the profligate slut, which is my new favorite thing to say. <laughs> I love that. Um, and she she sees out of the corner of her eye as she's being twirled around by these guys she has no interest in being with. You know, Brandon is getting steadily drunker and drunker and drunker and and Louisa's clinging on to him like a barnacle. Uh, her boobs falling out of her, you know, stayless gown. Taking advantage of the situation. Yeah, thinking that she can win him over because Louisa, it is implied heavily, or not implied, I guess it's out, outright stated, that she's in dire financial straits because she also was spending a bunch of money while he was gone, assuming that they would be married when he came back. <laughs> and so she's like trying still to win him. What she's trying to do is she's trying to get him to cast Heather aside. And she goes so far later as to say, um... I'll raise the kid as my own, send her back to England. We'll just forget this whole thing happened. Because wow. she's that desperate. Um, she doesn't actually want Brandon. She 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 wants Brandon because he's apparently the only man to ever sexually satisfy her, but also because he, she wants the money. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's not a bad sugar daddy prospect, except for the fact that he just had a baby he's with his wife. Married, happily married, more or less, uh, with a kid. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. So, so things go bad. Heather gets in like a fight with him. He's super drunk. She's mad because Louise is hanging all over him and stuff like that. She goes out with Jeff to get some air into the garden. Jeff goes to get her a drink. Heather is attacked by, by one of the men, uh, one of those foppish suitors. So this let's 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 count these. Um, first begin the first chapter begins with assault. First chapter. Uh, by William Court, the awful, awful man who was the uncle. That was one. Brandon assaulted her twice. And then now she's being assaulted or an attempted assault in the garden of her own home by this man. At her own party. At her own party. Yes. And of course, who should stumble upon the scene? 
but Brandon. And of course, he's raging drunk, and all he cares about is his woman's being macked on by another man, this foppish guy who wears nothing but lace and all this nonsense. And, you know, and he's not nearly as virile or as masculine as I am, and I'm so damn drunk. He doesn't have the chest hair to match. Yeah, he, he <laughs> his chest hair is so thin you can still see his chest beneath it. Mine, it's a black hole. Your hand will get lost in there um (laughs) it won't come out it's like flypaper in there um i'm sorry i'm really sorry but uh so he stumbles upon him and 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 kicks him in the ass that's that's his move he kicks him in the ass and and this guy realizes his mistake because brandon is the most fearsome creature in the world apparently and and he sees heather and he's like i can't believe he would do this and she's like what and uh, yeah and then and then brandon falls upon her and he he starts to ravage her because that's the sexiest. That's the way to get be primed for a sexual encounter is to uh, be, be assaulted. I guess you could count this kind of as an assault, if I'm being honest. I was gonna say it is. You get you get it's attempted assault, assault. Light, maybe. Yeah. Um. And uh, and Brandon basically makes the declaration that um tonight his celibacy ends because he was hiding it so well. Yeah, because he was hiding it so 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 well. Um, and it's all Heather's fault that he hasn't been able to be with another woman since they met. And so, so they, she's like, oh, there's, there's no way, there's, there's no way, like, oh, oh no, oh no, what have I done? Because she wants to sleep with him, but she also, like, is kind of terrified of sleeping with him because her first experiences were not great. And he's also blackout drunk right He's, now, like, so and drunk. It, and, and violent and angry. You don't want this. No. Like, like, if you're trying to reconnect with your baby daddy, that's not how you want to do it. No, no, dog. Also, their house is full of people, and also people <laughs> are staying over, and, like, she was just assaulted in the garden. Like, I, this book exhausted me. So Jeff stumbles upon her after Brandon has, like, stormed away, like, I'll see you in our room later. She's, like, oh. walking into a tree or something, you know? At least he didn't take her right there in the courtyard. No. And and Jeff's like, are you okay? Because Heather is, like, genuinely terrified. And she she makes this comment that's really, really sad where she, he, because Jeff said that he'd be back really quickly and and she's like oh you know i'm in my i'm in my own garden and and jeff who is also violently attracted to her is like you're not safe in your own garden you're not safe anywhere you're just too beautiful again sexy disease it's fatal and heather kind of is really really shaken up by this series of encounters that she she says to she says to him as he's like leading her back into the house because she's like i need to go lay down i need to go check on my baby i need to need to go lay down because I'm, I'm tired i'm done with this night and he said she goes well you know you're right a woman isn't safe even if, in her own garden bitch you aren't safe in your own bed like holy shit dude <sighs> that that's a yeah i mean that was a pretty fucked up thing for for jeff to say to her he was right. He was super he, correct. He was, he was right, but also to tell her that. Yeah. And just like the implications that came with, but then like to hear it from her own mouth, it's a whole nother ball game. That's. Yeah. And at this point also in my journey with Jeff, um, he has kind of, he's kind of inexplicably put together the timeline of her pregnancy. And he's, he kind of overhears one of uh, Brandon's servants who was, who was on the, the, 
ship with him, who's actually the one of the men who brought Heather to him initially, um, who really blames himself for ruining Heather's life. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would. He feels too. really terrible. Um, he <laughs> yeah, he feels really, really super bad. Um, and uh, he he gets really drunk one day, and and Jeff kind of overhears him mumbling to himself about the situation. So Jeff puts it together, and he kind of like gets a lot of joy out of like teasing brandon and heather about like that he he knows more than they're, they're telling which if he's put together the fact that he definitely defo 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 raped her then like that's not funny i don't yeah, know but why would why would you like it's you can almost not even excuse it but you can almost like understand if he were like prep teasing like in a sense like like he's preparing brandon yeah. that he's gonna like he knows you need to treat her better because she deserves it because you have been awful from the jump but the fact that he tells her too yeah that's so messed up but like and he like teases her about hating him he's like oh i thought you hated him and she's like well i can't imagine why you thought that which is itself ridiculous but also like but why would you tease her about her trauma also why would you like you've seen how he treats her she doesn't hate him, but she should. She she's terrified of him at the very at the very least. So why would you make that kind of crack? Yeah, fr- like, because, ugh, that, that. because I think because Kathleen Woodwist doesn't know how to write. Uh, <laughs> at this point, I've also started highlighting all the like instances of him of Brandon drinking, and like it is a lot. I, at one point, I just wrote, "Damn, this dude needs an intervention." He <laughs> never doesn't have a drink in his hand. So Heather goes upstairs, and and. She's like, oh boy, I need to like, I cannot like, we're not gonna sleep together tonight. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. We've we've been through worse. It's fine. Um, and she like gets into her nightgown. And she like brushes out her hair, and she's like ignoring the party downstairs. And she's like thinking of her baby. And Brandon follows her upstairs like a nasty drunken predator. And what follows is an extremely troubling conversation where he informs her that he will be taking his husbandly rights tonight and she cannot say no because he is tired of waiting and um that's that so he's gonna go get ready she has like 10 minutes to compose herself and then she better be ready with her business i guess i don't know wipe wipe it down i i i I don't know do some kegels or something um and it's it's a it's a really bad combo and it's heather heather has a very understandable reaction where she's very very upset she's very upset because she thought they were past this and this is not how she wanted it to go and she she he leaves the room and he immediately is like i done bungled this i did bungle it but i i have to be a man of my words so i gotta follow through but he no, doesn't you ever you know. don't no you don't why why do you only like make promises that are awful and then decide those are the things you have to keep yeah nonsense so so he does this and it's and it's it, it's bad he oh. he like leaves he leaves her he goes into the nursery to like get rid of his clothes and to put on his his robe that she made him that he loves um and he hears Heather in her rage at the situation and the helplessness of it um, throw an ashtray. And he's he just kind of like sags in disappointment because he's like, no, I was really hoping it'd go better than this. I don't know how, considering he approached it like he did. But he essentially said, I'm, I'm raping you tonight, yeah. whether you so so deal. Yeah, so deal. So deal. Either have a good time or don't. It doesn't matter to me. Um, and he says this thing, which is really 
he has this he has this whole inner monologue about how regrettable the situation is and how he wishes he didn't have to do this because it's he, he will die if he does not have sex tonight apparently but he has to do it because he's been he's holding on. on the line um and he says he has this line that i think is really uh very insightful which is he he's thinking to himself damn it's come to rape hmm so he, he no plans no on, he plans no on no no yeah, okay hold, yeah, hold yeah, on yeah yeah hold yeah on. yeah 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 abigail <laughs> jessica are you telling me yeah verbatim that's mm. what the author deigned to make this guy right to say oh shit there it is highlighted uh-huh uh yep 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 yep, yep. i think i think i think our our uh our sticker statement doesn't quite capture no, this moment yeah it's really horrifying it's truly horrifying also because we get a dual insight of while he's thinking that we also get heather and heather says he is my husband and the father of my child he owns me and i am the one without right to hold myself from him <sighs> so we're just gonna get past this because that's that's just too dark it's just too dark no and it's we've we've, we've been over this ground we know that this is really awful What's maybe more egregious to me, in certain sense, is that Brandon comes into the room expecting, like, to have to, you know, do what he has to do. And she's just super willing. <laughs> she's just decided that, you know what, actually, I do want to have sex with him. And the fact that he threatened to rape me tonight doesn't really mean much. I, I am going to enjoy this. So they have sex. And it's fine. And their relationship is perfect after this. I'm going to go throw an ashtray now. <laughs> because what? Yep, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. It is the single most inexplicable point in this entire book that is full of just stuff that makes no sense. It's not even it's not even like a like if she was trying to make some sort of forced bonding intimacy again. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You could have given the baby colic. I don't that that would have been better than You could have made this. it like built on emotion or like like mutual attraction like them actually grow because it seemed like he yeah. was slightly inching his way into being less of a jerk yeah you could you could have ran with that he he legitimately was overcoming his assholiness yeah no it didn't happen i also want to say that the sex scene was very unsatisfying because at this time the sex scenes were not what they are today. They're not nearly as explicit. They were very euphemistic. Uh, they were very obfuscated in, in language, um, which is whatever. It's neither here nor there. But there was this freaking choice nug at the end, which I want you to try and decipher for me. Okay. And he gloried in his triumph as they were dissolved in a mutual fire, which died slowly, leaving them cinders on the hearth of love. So they came. Yeah, they came. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They both that's, finished. Great. That's the afterglow. Yeah, yeah. That's such a weird. I also want to be cinders on the hearth of love. Like, okay, is that her way of like making it okay? Because this is the first consensual, consensual being very loose term here. Mm. Consensual sex encounter in this whole book. Yeah, it's the only one we get. I mean, it, they, like, imply that they have a bunch of sex after this, and they have sex all the time, and it's like, whatever. But, yeah. Yeah, this is the only, like, actual scene where we get... Most of this book is sexual assault. But it's okay because they, they, they end up... Yeah, it's okay because I'm assuming they, they end up happily ever after. Yeah. Um, I'm just gonna breeze through the last... 
50 pages or so. There's a whole murder mystery plot that happens in the last 50 pages. <laughs> and it's like tied up in like the dress shop that was owned by the guy that she killed. And um, Louisa ends up being killed by a serial murderer and rapist. <laughs> well. uh, you know, it's okay because she was a slut. And, uh, you know, it turns out that that was actually the guy who worked in the shop that was owned by the man that Heather killed. Except, whoa, it turns out she didn't actually kill him. Um, She just kind of stabbed him a little bit and he passed out. And then this guy went and slit his throat. But he had to leave England because one of the maids in the shop saw. So no one was ever after Heather. And, (sighs) And it's like, there's, I knew this was coming because I read the summary of the book before I started it. So I knew I knew there was like a murder mystery plot and how it like tied together. It didn't come until the last 50 pages. I I kept waiting. I that's kept the, waiting. That's like the most unsatisfying thing. It like I would have loved if that had been what brought Heather and, and Brandon together. Also, like her admitting to Brandon that she killed a guy. Like all of that. Brandon knew the whole time. Wait. He found out when she had the fever. <gasps> and she was like talking in her sleep. And he was just waiting for her to reveal it to him. But like the impact of that, lost. The trust that could have been built with that, nothing. Like gone. Heather is attacked by the guy and Brandon rescues her and gets shot. And there's like a a storm. And like Brandon, like she's almost like, again, almost sexually assaulted by this guy. Like what is it with these people in this and Heather? Because she's she's got sexy disease. And they apparently cannot help themselves. Can't help themselves. To sum up the end of this pretty atrocious book um the the guy mr hint which is insufferable insufferable that she would name him that mr hint (laughs) is is crushed by a tree as he's fleeing louise's house where brandon and and um heather are where he is because brandon has been framed for the murders of louisa and this other girl who was once you know one of the ladies who wanted to date him and it's like this whole nonsense thing. But then he gets out just in time to save Heather and Heather confronts Mr. Hint uh, and and he tries to assault her and threatens he's going to kill her. He like bites her on the boob or whatever. It's really gross. Um, <laughs> and then and then, you know, a tree falls on on him as he's riding away. And so that's fine. And then they have sex in Louisa's bed. Was she murdered in her bed? She was murdered in her house. She was raped and murdered in her house. But not the bed. This is also the place where. Brandon had also slept with Louisa. He also was shot. So, like, that is also a thing that's happening. So I assume that he bleeds all over her bed. And then he buys uh, he buys the property. He So he, he had bought the land at some point. There was, like, a whole subplot with Louisa. It was dumb. But he bought the land from Louisa for an exorbitant price. So he already had the land. And then Louisa is dead. So he buys Louisa's house. And he gives it to his brother. He gives it to Jeff. Because <laughs> nothing matters because Louisa was a slut. Uh, this whole last 50 pages it was insufferable it could also be its own book it could be its own it would have been a much more exciting book if that had been like most of the plot yeah we could have avoided most of the rape we could have just we could have just avoided a lot yeah and that that would have made it more fun than this weird coming to america journey and and all all the sexual stuff all the sexual stuff yeah, dog, okay. it's grim. There's, all, there's also the, all the racial stuff, and there's all the weird, like, child stuff. Like, wrapping up a coming-of-age story in that is very unsettling. Like, do you see what I was talking about when I, when I was like, it's the worst 
most potent distillation of all the worst tropes in the romance genre. It's the coming of age through sex. It's the sexual assault leads to romance. It's the glamorization of horrible events of the past. It's like, it's all of it. It's, it's all it, of it, it. It's like worst power dynamics. Like it's <laughs> left, right, left, yeah, and right. I knew you were going to, you were telling me this is a book of its time. It was going to be bad. Mm. This doesn't feel like a book that would have been published in the 1970s. This feels like a book that would have been published in maybe 19, like 30s or 18 something. Yeah, no. And I, and again, I want to reiterate that I think at the time, certain things had to be coded in ways that made them more publicly acceptable. Like premarital sex had to be couched in languages, language of assault, because I I think, you know, the most of the um, articles I was looking at that reference this book also talk about how the approval rating for um, premarital sex amongst women mm-hmm. at the time, like was in this huge fluctuation. So it was like 40 percent of women approved of premarital sex in like the 1960s and then by the 1980s it jumped up to like 80 percent of women so we were in this time where still in 1972 most women didn't approve of premarital sex or at least they claimed not to approve of it it was socially unacceptable to approve of it Mm -hmm. so i think we have this situation where readers at the time were reading this and and seeing it as an acceptable intermediary between premarital sex and and uh, freewheeling romance right like there was you you couldn't do that they mm-hmm. you couldn't have a woman who was loose because then she would have to be a villain right like she would be louisa yeah so so i think to our ears we're missing a translation we're missing a, a cultural context that makes it more acceptable obviously these women were just as intelligent as we are they were just as sensitive to these topics as we are but there was a different cultural context to these books in particular. And I think we have to be aware of that when we criticize material. That doesn't mean that, I, like I said, I don't think this book needs to be read. I don't think anybody needs to read this book now. If you want to know about the history of romance, I think it's a good, it's, it's a good place to, to look at it. But it's, it's tough. It's really tough. And honestly, read an article about it. I, I, don't, I don't think it's necessary. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's one of those things where, I mean, especially with right now that everyone's much more conscious of the types of media that are portrayed and what is being said and done in in very in all forms, book, film, TV, wh- mm-hmm. whatever it is. So it's it's easy to look at stuff from even ten years ago from the the nineties, yeah. which yeah. is this sort of like third wave of feminism. Things yeah. were great. You look at a show like Sex in the City, where that was supposed to be this big women's liberty show. You rewatch it now, and it it's a sticky show where it's like yeah. it it did help. It, yeah. it did do good. It served a purpose, yeah. But it does not compare to today's standards, and that was twenty, thirty years ago. Something, yeah. <laughs> Always counting by like the ten. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know that was. Not that long ago, and this book, it it's easy. It's easy for me to be like, oh, this book doesn't sound atrocious. Like anything. This is awful. Yeah, yeah. It does still kind of. Sh- there's still, I think, just a level of shock that I will never understand that this was something that happened in the seventies during 
this, you know, this next big wave of feminism, this next round of civil rights movement, like all these things that are happening at that time that it makes it kind of hard to be like, this is what passed. But this is the idealization of masculinity. Like this is like, yeah, it's it's really like um, this is how we get away with 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 premarital premarital sex. Yeah, it, it, I and and I'm not a scholar. I am not. I, I've never even graduated college. <laughs> I I think you know there there are smarter people than me who have really analyzed this book and and books of its kind. And if you are interested in that, I really encourage you to google it because there's a wealth of knowledge out there there are people who spend their lives studying this stuff and what it means for culture and what it is is done historically and um its role in in you know women's views and stuff like that but in my personal opinion yeah i i i think i think we always need to we need to consume consciously and we need to consume with an eye on the past and and also with with a little bit of compassion towards the people who were who were writing and and reading this stuff because they weren't dumb. A lot of times stuff that to us is shocking was shocking to them too, but it had a different context. Mm-hmm. It was it was it meant something different. And that doesn't make it right. I'm not saying it does. I'm not saying that this book and its themes and its horrible racism and its <laughs> trigger happy sexual assault uh is is something that should be read i i don't think so but it's important to to understand how these things came to be made and also to understand why we still linger with this why we have these things still to this day why in cressley cole's you one of her books like in multiple of her books but most audaciously in one particular book um uh, the romance begins with the sexually sexual assault of a sleeping woman it's fine they move on from it she's scared for a while but don't worry they get over it like that's still something that because it is a conversation that we need to have as an industry and as a as readers people who enjoy this stuff like why why do we include those things is it okay is it not okay i personally advocate for like warnings on books i and i know that's not sexy i know that's not fun but damn fan fiction has spoiled me because like (laughs) tags are amazing i would love to have forewarning if something like that happens just like there's warnings on books for like if there's cheating in it because that may be triggering for certain people who are reading romance novels cool there should also be warnings for sexual assaults (laughs) yeah like like you would you would think that 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 would deserve a heavier handed trigger warning i'm i'm not saying that it needs to be cold entirely, although personally, I would probably be a little bit more comfortable if it was, but hey, whatever, uh, to each his own. I am aware that everyone is a consenting adult who is consuming these and everyone consume as to their comfort level. Fine. Um, but I I do think we need to have a conversation where we have now the ability to to warn people to to talk about these things openly and often and i don't think anything bad can come of that aside from maybe we get a little bit too judgy um which we've always been judgy so that's nothing new yeah i i think there's definitely a way to do it there's um a young adult novel that i just finished um that's not quite out yet but it's tiffany jackson's newest book mm, insider knowledge oh my god <laughs> vip over here but at the beginning of her book before the dedication page like right off the bat you get these trigger warnings of what's to come that just like just a heads up you're gonna get these kind of heavy topics mm-hmm. are included you're no it in no way spoils the book it in no way because i've i like 
for me, none of the words were going to, these topics wouldn't harm me. So I kind of glossed over it, mm-hmm. kind of forgot about it a little bit. So by the time it happened in the actual story, I was like, oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So so it, it didn't ruin it. But for someone who who needs to be cautious of what they're, they're consuming because it can do harm to them, it was a great way to be like, to brace yourself and kind of think, do I, do I, do I want to continue yeah. reading or con- doing whatever? And, you know, even if it doesn't actively do harm, like, even if you're not going to get a panic attack from reading about, you know, something that is, is upsetting, right? Even if it's not going to trigger PTSD, even if you are not a victim of sexual assault, like, I think we, we have the ability now to be very clear about what we like and what we don't like. And an informed reader is a reader who reads more, right? Exactly. Um, so I think it's okay if if you encounter something that you just you just don't like in a book. Like you just don't like it. Just like um, you know, you filter out by kinks, right? Like mm-hmm. you wouldn't read a book that has a really weird kink in it that you're not into. Uh, you know, it, it's no different. It's just mm, not into that. Cool. Okay. All right. Makes me uncomfortable. Easy as that. And I think that would maybe go a long way towards you know people taking more autonomy with their consumption because right now we do have a very victimy sort of miasma of like i consume this thing and it, it really i didn't like it because it had this thing in it and it's like cool you don't need to consume that um but i do realize that there's an opposite end of that where it's like i didn't know i was going to consume that no one told me that it had that thing in it um which you know you shouldn't be informed and like you can easily google things but that's neither here nor there. I I do think that in the context of this book, of this podcast, it's important to look at these things and to to appreciate them for their historical context, um, and to also you know point out how we how we still tackle things that are brought up, how our foundations affect the highest floor of our skyscraper, right? Right. Um, so I, I I hope you had a good time, uh, as awful <laughs> as some of this was. Um, this was definitely a roller coaster I told of, you. Of, of just fucking Brandon sucks. Brandon sucks, man. <laughs> Jeff sucks. And Jeff could have been so... That, good that's, guy, that's Jeff. A hard, that's the hard part, is Jeff could have been so good. Good guy, Jeff, was not a derogatory nickname. It is now. Yeah. Yeah, now he's good guy Jeff. Because because he's such a good guy, he makes out with his brother's wife because he's actually horned up for his brother's wife. Anyway, I I had a horrible time, this <laughs> but I had a good time talking to you about it. Thank you for sitting down with me in my sweltering hot sanctum right now. Thank you for having me. I, I definitely had a blast, even though Brandon sucks and I want to throw up. Yep, 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 yep. Heather's cool, though. I'm into Heather. Heather, yeah, Heather is... Heather's going to be a boss. Like, give her, like, 10 years, she's going to be a boss, for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, if she was able to fight her way off a boat with a fake fake loaded gun. Yeah, man. She's going to grow up to do some great things. I hope her kid gets more of her Mm -hmm, than mm -hmm. the dad. Probably not. Brandon sucks. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe, maybe... I'm not going to read the sequel. Oh, there's a it, sequel? It follows Jeff. Yeah, I'm not going to read the sequel. Because no one needs to read about good guy Jeff. Also, it sounds really boring. Anyway, thank you for being here. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, and I and we will definitely do this again. Um, if you enjoyed this for some reason, 
Uh, you can find the link to the book in the description. Um, I recommend checking it out from your local library. If not in person, then uh, online. I read it on my local library's app called Libby. I don't know if that's nationwide, but... Um, I think so. It's very convenient. I love it. Um, also, it meant I didn't have to pay for this book, which means I felt better about myself. Um, I've paid for worse, but I, yeah. do, I still feel better. Most about library myself. systems have some sort of digital. Or, you know what? I'm sure you could probably find a PDF of it. You know, I don't usually advocate for that, but in this particular instance, I think I'm justified. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are our, uh, Kingdom Thirst Podcast. Well, no, we're just Kingdom Thirst. There's no podcast on the end of that. Bungle that real good. Uh, and you can suggest a, the next book for us to read. Um, I would love to hear from you. Also, you can just follow us. I do con consistently uh, tweet about how hard things are for me and also how I make mistakes like mispronounce a name of a character that I say I love unconditionally for the entirety of a podcast. Or just mispronounce your... Uh podcasts handle i don't i don't do the social media i don't understand it i don't like it uh, and you know yeah do follow kingdom thirst podcast i'm sure they'll love to hear from you <laughs> uh, or send us an email at kingdom of thirst at gmail.com uh we will see you next week goodbye bye